looking at us. This is Jaws Blake of the Painter Files Podcast, as you all know. Uh, I'm starting my day. I just got some groceries, and we got a big day ahead of us. I made a bunch of stuff. Can't wait to tell you all about it. It's going to be rather exciting and beautiful. I believe this is episode 86. I might be wrong. I'm never really good with numbers. Like, I have to write everything down. Because I forget birthdays, I forget anniversaries, I forget historical days. I'm not good with keeping codes for things, so I have to write all that down. I'm like the last person I know who still has like a, a Rolodex or a little book with everything written down in it. I have them digitally kept, I have them physically written down. It's just kind of how all it goes. It's crazy. I wish I was better about it. I'm just not. I never have been. I figure almost at 38, almost 40, I have to kind of accept that there are some things I'm not great at. And that's okay. Sometimes we just have to work on the things we are working on because hi Tom because they're always bad it's what they do kissing bad that's not good don't fight guys probably mochi she's always hissed that's, that's her little thing So as you all know, there has been a outcry of a revolution against injustice and racism in our society in America. There has been protest and riots and revolution for the most part. And I've I've heard so much so so much people in support but on rarest occasion I've heard people who are very much against and they they have all these reasons they've came up with they don't think it's a real thing because they figure everybody deals with something or that these are the building blocks that make people so I'm going to tell you a few stories that happened in my life and you can choose to not listen to them and continue to go on your way or you can hear them and realize that my stories are frustrating and they're a little horrible and sadly they are not unique for my people quite a few have to do with just racism quite a few have to do with police racism (laughs) so um yeah (sighs) 
hard talking about these things sometimes because as you speak about them, you're kind of reliving them. There's a trauma to them. And I think the trauma is kind of the, the footprint of these, of these cases. And I don't think, I don't think some people understand that. And I think a lot of people have, and it's really beautiful that they have. And that's partially why I made those shirts um, on my website for the Black Lives Matter movement with people because I wanted them, the people who got it, to be able to wear those shirts and wear them in public around actual people so that they remember and it's always on their mind. So it doesn't become something they forget about when the news cycle changes to, you know, something crazy Joe Biden said or something horrible um, Donald Trump does, like, on an hourly basis. <sighs> okay. So this is a story that my wife knows about and, like, two other people know about, my parents don't know about, um, and most of the people who know me don't know about, but a few people, like three. So when I was a young boy, my father took me to England, and he thought it would be a good idea to leave me there with my uncle, unbeknownst to me, um, for three months. So I'm living in England on a military base in Tottenham, and it was, it was lonely, honestly. It was very lonely, and I started to kind of make friends with a little bit of local kids, just a couple. They were all white kids. It's literally the only... There was, there was like... Yeah, they were all white kids. Uh, I tried to make friends with this one black kid who lived there, but he didn't want to make friends with me because he was like, I'm just... He's just going to leave in like three months anyway, so like, what's the point of investing all this time becoming really good friends with someone when they're just going to be... I'm just going to be here alone by myself again afterwards. And I didn't... At the time, it didn't dawn on me like why he felt this way. And then it hit me. I was hanging out with this little English kid, little English uh, black kid, who was, uh, his family worked on the base, but he was from London or from South Tottenham or something. They're, they're a bit of a distance from each other. Um, and he was telling me he had made a a fake knife out of a broken off like all like kids uh banana seat like bike bar handle that had rusted off like you'd taken a rock and smushed it so it was straight it wasn't actually sharp but it just looked like you could poke a person with it like a shank um and he was telling me, he's like, yeah, just in case these guys will fuck with you, here you go. And I looked at it, and I was like, I mean, I don't think I'm going to need this, but all right. Literally, within 10 minutes later, this group of kids, these white kids, started coming over and yelling things at us. And so he leaves, and I'm just kind of standing there. And they're yelling things, super racist, just mean, horrible things to say to 
just people of color in general. I don't even want to say the words. Like, you know, you probably know what the words are, or you don't. If you don't, that's amazing. And uh, they were spitting at me, like, the whole thing. It was real gross. And so I got angry, and I pulled out the piece, which it's still just a flattened piece of bar handle, so it doesn't look like a knife, but the handle looks like it's a knife. And I I pointed at them, and I go, fuck off. And I've got to be like 13. And the kids run away, and they run into their house. And their mom comes out. And she runs up to me and goes, show it to me. What did you just point at my children? And I go, I threw it away. There's like a dump in the back. It was just like piles upon piles of metal garbage that was just behind this house. That was just like a dump yard. And she called the military police on me. And I ran back into my uncle's house. And I hid in under the bed in his guest room where me and my Amalito were staying and it was just it was horrible and they knocked on the door and my uncle who was a military doctor talked to them and told them to go away and he came up to me afterwards and he asked me what happened and I told him with tears rolling down my face And he said, I understand. This is kind of the stuff that we face sometimes. And maybe it's just best to stay in the house to your uncle, to your cousin. My cousin Ty came in two weeks. And so with uh, my father's mother who is not exactly a sympathetic character to say the least um telling me well this is what happens when you when you run across people like this they're they're like this that's why we don't leave the house that's why we stay in the yard that's why we when you have your little baby cousin who's one and a half and like three dvds and some comic books that you've read 15 times and some notebook paper and a pencil, and this should be enough for you. And I'm just sad because I didn't expect to be there. I thought my dad was going to be with me, and I was just kind of stuck there. And it was horrible. It was probably one of the saddest moments I had ever felt in my life. And it was literally just because I was different. How's that for racism? American racism <laughs> in a foreign country <laughs> towards a black, a West Indian, Afro-Latino, black American man. The fuck? I came home, um, and it was just, it was just awful. And I remember I eventually one day went out with my friend who was the English black kid with my cousin Ty and his sister and we walked the streets of London together and this yardie, he was a yardie, um, 
So him and his sister are walking and this grown man who is kind of like a Romani guy comes up to us and spits at us and calls her a name that they like to call black people. And he is is enraged and turns into a pushing thing and he spits on me and then I punch him in the face and then the fast version of the story is I basically have to go back to America and this is all within my teen year my early teens and it was never really said like we were gonna leave anyways but I was definitely I definitely had to go and it was horrible and it was hard and I hated it and I was the saddest I'd ever been and I thought England was going to be this really magical place but when I really found out at the time at least in that situation and it's not true about all English people by any means not that I need to make that caveat um, there are very few places where we are welcomed as a people I didn't know that as a child I thought, you know, there were some people that sucked in the world and they were bad, but that wasn't a a typical thing. And everyone of color kept telling me it really is. And it it shocked me to my core. To this day, when I think about going back for anything, even for art stuff, like I, I cringe because it's just, it's freaking traumatizing. It was really horrible. I remember being in elementary school and this kid randomly comes up to me with a buzz cut. A blonde kid with a buzz cut comes up to me and just whispers in my ear. I'm thinking we're friends and he whispers in my ear and he goes, do you know why black people have white palms? And I said, no. And I thought literally it was a scientific thing because I'm in sixth grade and I'm not realizing, or I'm in third grade, and I'm not realizing like this is this is the beginning of a racist joke at my expense. And he tells me that it is because when we're forced to be smushed up against the wall and searched, that's when uh, they spray paint us. And the only thing we do is wash our hands. And I don't, I don't even think it was meant to be funny. I think it was just meant to be cruel. He thought we were dirty. And that was his that was the sum up of the joke. And it was just like, the fuck, man. And at that point, my school was literally, I had quite a few kids of color at that time. I think there was probably like, seven or eight kids of color in my class and maybe like 30 or 40 in my school. Hundreds of white kids. (laughs) And it was just... It was just really rough. I mean... What do you do at that point? Like, what are you meant to do as a child? I remember thinking... Do I tell a teacher? Do I... What do I do? What can I do? And I felt really powerless. And I just kind of became a little more introverted. 
thinking of all these other situations, but I'm just tired. I'm tired of living these things. I mean, this stuff has happened to me as an adult. I got pulled over by this one cop, and he wrote me a ticket because he said I rolled through a stop sign. I didn't, but my music, but I was, I had reggae music playing, and I had my pickup truck, and the windows were down, and maybe it was a little too loud for him. And so he wrote me a ticket. And literally as he wrote me a ticket, there were all these other people just driving through the stop sign, and he didn't feel any need or necessity to write them tickets or do anything. It was so bad that like people started coming over and yelling at him about, I can't believe you're fucking pulling over this kid. I think I was like 25. And you're not doing anything with these people. I literally saw people roll through the stop sign to yell at him in their cars about stop being a fucking racist. <laughs> and the whole time he's just telling me, he's like, this isn't about, I'm not trying to, I'm stopping people and giving other people tickets. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, okay. And he's like, if you want to contest this, I mean, you can, you can go to court, but like, if you lose, like, you're gonna get points on your license and the final double and blah, blah, blah. And I'm just like, I guess I'm just gonna pay this ticket then. And it was like $90, which I did not have. And then I got paid, and then I paid for that. And then for the next four months, it took me to kind of recover from that because I only made about $20, 20 to $40 more than what my paycheck, with my paycheck, to pay for food and gas. And so I walked a lot, and I ate basically pasta and uh, beans like dried beans, salt and pepper, I think a little bit of olive oil. And that was pretty much what I ate for about six months. That was it. Big boxes of pasta, mix the stuff in. I'd crunch them up or fry the beans or something and try and make like a sauce. Sometimes I, if I, I'd, I'd ground, I'd find a bunch of change and stuff and then I'd buy like pasta sauce or something. I don't think people realize, like, the problems with racism. Like, it's not so much like you get your feelings hurt. It's literally like your life is affected. Your life changes. And it stays changed for long, engrossing periods of time. Like, you don't bounce. And this is if you survive it. A lot of people don't survive it. Sometimes their first encounter is their last encounter. They're shot... They're killed. They're in jail. They're imprisoned. It's so weird to see all these all this footage throughout the decades of my life, where people get pulled over and they're wrestled to the ground, and it's just it just escalates, and they're not even doing anything. They're just living their lives, and these things happen to them on camera. And they're murdered on occasion. Or they're punched in the face. Like, I don't understand how anyone is allowed to punch, police included, are allowed to just punch a person in the face. And it'd be okay. Like, that's assault. You're not allowed to just beat the shit out of people. I don't don't get it. I can't. I can't understand it. I can't contemplate 
the insanity in which we run across ourselves, wondering on how and when and why this shit keeps happening to us as a people. I'm just so tired. And I see these things and I wonder, what is the point of being peaceful if they're going to kill you anyways? If they're wrestling you to the ground and putting you in a chokehold and you're dying. You're trying your very best because you're afraid to be compliant and they're still just going to kill you. Like, why, why are we, why are we, when are we, how are we supposed to be peaceful about this? Like, I don't blame the protesters for burning down all this shit. Someone said it recently. They said, the rule of law is an agreement. People follow it as an agreement where they will say, where where it says, we agree that the police are there to punish people who break the laws. We agree to the laws so we can live in society. But if we're not able to live in society because they keep killing us, there's no reason for us to follow the laws. There's no reason for us not to burn all this down and take all these things. We've waited 400 years for just freedom. And they give it to us in small increments to take it back in other ways. And I don't know that I see the purpose anymore of us not just living our lives the way we wish to live our lives. I'm not saying people should be, should break every law and kill and murder and do all this stuff, but like, you're a good person and so you do these things so that you can live in society as a good person. But if they won't let you live in society and you're a good person, what is your incentive to stay what society deems to be a good person? Why would you, why are you still paying your taxes? Why are you still not panhandling? Why are you still not just trading with people? Why are you still not fighting every time someone does something that is extremely detrimental and dangerous for your survival? Why walk away from a fight if that fight is going to be for your life? And I don't know the answer. Like, I want to have the answer for young people. I want to tell my nieces and my nephews and my cousins that we follow these rules so that we can one day grow up to be these things. But if, if the laws are set up so that we can never be those things, then what? I think of like Tulsa, where like all these people followed all these rules and they, they all these black people followed all these rules and they established entire places for them to exist and flourish and everything. And in the middle of the night, they were all murdered by the police nonetheless by the government firebombed and shot and stabbed and hung and lynched like what is our incentive to continue to play nice with these people 
What is our incentive to not become radicalized? And I don't know. I don't have an answer. All I can think to do is listen to like calm voices that speak the truth about the situations in which we live. And I want to feel, I want to feel good. But it makes me feel sad and it makes me feel angry. It is the hurt of so many generations that are disconnected from their roots because people didn't want to pick their own cotton, plow their own fields, make their own license plates. It feels like we've been victims of con men almost our entire existence. The argument that people say If you don't want to have police beat you down, you should do the right thing, and then they won't have to, is similar to the idea that women who don't want to be raped should go outside and think sexy thoughts, or dress provocatively, or exist. Because that's all it is. It's an existence thing. Like bad people doing horrible things to people for just existing and that's that's all that's all white supremacy is horrible people doing fucked up things to people who are just trying to live in the world we can't keep doing this forever something's gotta give And if these protests are going to be the something, then I hope they go on for fucking ever. I hope they change the scale of the whole world. Not just this country, the world. I saw in England they pulled down a statue and threw it in a river because the guy was a slave trader. And he had no business being on a fucking monument. More of that. We gave them time to get Pibby better, and they refused. So force that shit. Make them better. Make them act better or make them no longer exist in one form or another. Because this ain't it. They kill people. They've killed black people in their own homes by accident, quote unquote, by accident. And still nothing. None of those people have gone to jail. None of those things have happened in any way other than the way that they've happened. And then you look at ICE, which is a complete, which is a separate but equally fucked up thing. Where they've falsified all types of things to just hold people and prison people and all these things, even the children, which I hear they've lost another, and the word was another, 1,500 children. Another 1,500 children. The fuck? I'm so just tired. I think the weirdest thing that I've ever run across, and this was years ago I understood, was 
the same things that James Baldwin, when he was alive, in the... I'm looking up the date right now so they don't misquote it. In, like, the 60s? Were true then as are true now. Like, what is that? I'll play an excerpt so that you see what I mean. I'm terrified at the moral apathy, the death of the heart, which is happening in my country. These people have deluded themselves for so long that they really don't think I'm human. I had basis on their conduct, not on what they say. And this means that they have become in themselves Moral monsters. Alright. So I want to leave this on a hopeful note. There are people in the streets right now and they're fighting as hard as they can to try and make sure that the next generation, hell, this generation, doesn't ever have to go through shit like that again. And that's so beautiful and so amazing. And it makes me so happy. It makes me fearful because there's always a possibility people fail or they give up. But it's it's this beautiful, gorgeous sentiment that not everybody's awful. Not everybody's bad. In fact, many would say many of the people are starting to wake up and realize and come to this great moment in the world where they care. Apathy is is vanishing. I love that. That's the thing that I need. That's the thing that we want. If you can, donate to causes for bail bonds and to help with awareness and to just give people the opportunities that we have all been given that they don't have. We got to change stuff by voting. We gotta go out and just be everything you can. I made those shirts so that people, like I said, can wear them and remind people why they're fighting. Black Lives Matter. So much of life is important. And although I don't need to make any caveats for this whatsoever, you are aware that by someone saying Black Lives Matter, It is not discounting any other life. It is simply saying, please stop killing us. Please stop massively incarcerating us for no reason whatsoever. I have no problem with people who commit crimes having to deal with consequences in a fair and just system. But we don't have a fair and just system, so I have problems with it. All that we are is the goodness in which we put into the world. That's what really makes us who we are and what we do. I love that you see people come together from all walks of life to just play or watch a basketball game or see a dumb movie or read a book or see music be played. More energy like that. I'm going to keep making art and hopefully you'll keep listening to me as I paint these things and I take these photos and we're going to change the world. We've already started. We just have to keep it up. 
This has been the Painter Files Podcast, episode 86, I think. <laughs> I don't know, but I think it's 80. We'll say it's 86. Um, I love you. Thank you so much. Uh, please share, like, and subscribe if you can on whatever major podcast organization you're listening to this on. I love seeing your comments, emails, and Twitters, and all that stuff. You are amazing people. And if I could, I'd clone you and make a billion of you. <laughs> and we replace all the idiots out there with just great versions of all of you. I love you. Painter out. Ciao.